health, travel, finance, parenting, and entertainment. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg. Today's episode, we're going to talk about the new year for the podcast as well as personally. And as promised from our last episode, Brandon, Eric, and myself got a chance to see the new Star Wars movie, Rise of Skywalker. We all took a little bit of time to present our review, and I'm going to play those reviews at the end of the episode. But I wanted to start with this podcast. I started it at the very end of August, so we've been going for about four months now. And like any podcast, we're starting to find our voice, our niche, And what I'd encourage listeners, especially folks that have been with us since the beginning, to take from the podcast is each guest that we have is very impressive in the knowledge that they're bringing to the table for the topic that we're discussing, as well as just their drive to continue to get better and continue to be just interesting people. I will say for myself, from the triathlon episode to the finance episodes that we've done, not only are the topics at hand very interesting and informative for me, but when we start to talk about other interests, for example, JC in challenging himself to read a number of books encouraged me to get back into uh, getting as many books as I possibly can so that I am continually learning and have more interesting subjects to talk about. And as we have these interviews, I can present other perspectives as we're going through the topic at hand. Obviously, for something like a triathlon, somebody that's completed an Ironman, there is on its face a very impressive feat that's able to be undertaken. But even from that conversation, I had some offline uh, discussions about picking up a marathon again, as I've talked about in a few episodes, and trying to have a personal record there, which I'm currently pursuing. Interestingly enough, my first marathon was 10 years ago, so it has really made me think about where I was 10 years ago to where I am now, and again, how my goals have changed and how I continue to challenge myself. So I think that is the theme of this podcast, is how can you challenge yourself in the different items that I've put together saying people living in suburbia in general have to deal with, whether it's your personal finances, because like it or not, you need to be able to deal with those. Um, Staying in shape, now that's not necessarily something you have to do, but with all the information coming out on dieting, healthy dieting, um, exercises, making sure that you stay with some sort of an exercise regimen, but also don't get burnt out on a particular regimen. And also just understanding that there are people out there living similar lives to yourself that are, again, continuing to challenge themselves to get better. That's how these topics come together and I think are cohesive. One thing that's top of mind from a recent review of the podcast that was done Uh, The gentleman said that he had a note for our financial podcast that it was, quote, over his head. And I know, especially for something like personal finances, it is easy to have your eyes gloss over and you don't want to pay attention to those details, but it is something that we all have to deal with and it's baby steps. Hopefully with our episodes We are presenting these things for folks that are completely new to the topics so they can at least, 
whet their appetite and then go get books on the topic to dig in further um, or wherever else they need to get resources. Maybe ask a friend that knows more information about it. Or we would really love to hear from folks about what other questions we didn't answer. I would be happy to do follow-up episodes. Most of the guests that we've had so far have been very open to uh, either coming back on for another episode to answer more questions um, or even just sending their information or sending uh, emails over to them so that they can give information back and then I can give those answers on air. Also, reminder that the website, suburbanfolk.com, I have a section that gives the contact information for most of our guests. So you can go there and get to those guests directly or again, from that page, my email is there. Reminder, it's greg at suburbanfolk.com. And we can get you to any of the experts that we've had on the shows so far um, so they can give you advice on whatever you find your personal situation to be. New Year's resolutions for the podcast. I've said a couple times in some episodes that certain social media sites are new to me. I'm in the millennial class, but I am definitely an old soul millennial who never really got onto much of social media, but is definitely something uh, to be used as a compliment to the podcast show. I'm primarily on Twitter. So again, if folks haven't found Suburban Folk on social media, that's probably the most active place uh, as far as updates and show notifications. Uh, we are on Facebook and also Instagram. I've continually made fun of myself with Instagram just because you know you have to put a picture or a video out in order to have a post. So I try to keep those as interesting as I can, but it's not, quite frankly, as easy as just putting in the update for a new show for people to go and listen to. And like I mentioned, we do have a companion website that has all of the places that you can go to listen to the podcast, some additional information in the show notes. And we are also working on transcriptions of the shows. So if you are in the middle of an episode and there's a piece of information that you want to pick out, you actually can go to the page and there will be a transcription at the very bottom of that episode so that you can look to see if there's more information um, that you need for that particular show. And it also helps just for us to be searchable on websites. So that is um, something that I'm happy that we're working towards adding. I, I might add it's not added to every single show yet, but we're working on getting that completed. As far as other goals for the show are concerned, of course, we want to continue to have guests that like past guests are inspiring for the topic that they are subject matter experts for, as well as their work ethic and just uh, their overall perspective of the world so that I can continue to be inspired and hopefully folks that are listening can be inspired to continue to improve in their day-to-day -day life. Uh, as far as listenership is concerned, we're currently averaging about 50 downloads per episode. So, of course, we would like to increase that as much as we can. I am going to link to our site a PayPal donation page where folks can go and donate to the show 
every dollar that does get donated, I will be using either for advertising on other podcasts or advertising on social media just to continue to get the word out about the show and hopefully increase the listenership. So if you are interested in donating, just go to suburbanfolk.com. If you look on the right-hand side of the page, you'll see a donate button and you should be able to donate there using any major credit card. I think most folks are pretty familiar with PayPal. Um, we also use affiliate links, which I think is worth making sure people know what that is. So, for example, if you see Amazon links for books or even our first episode, all of the tool albums, if you click on those and you do actually purchase the item that we are posting on our page, I get a little bit of a kickback there, uh, which again will help in advertising the show and getting it out to more folks. So if you've already done that, that is much appreciated. And we are looking for some other ways to, again, make a little bit of revenue so that we can pay for some advertising and just grow the show a little bit more. Because the more we grow, the more guests we can get and the more uh, feedback we can get from folks uh, to continue to refine and make the show better. So that really is all the goals, and hopefully that gives a sense of how the different episodes we have come together to be cohesive um, for suburban life folks. Again, how can we improve in these activities that for most of us living out in suburbia – uh, have to deal with on a daily basis, personal finance, um, health considerations. Of course, we throw in some entertainment. That's just fun to do, but I'm trying to keep it with very high-level things like Star Wars that everybody has at least some frame of reference for. Again, parenting, whether um, you're planning on having kids, have young kids like myself, or even can learn from folks that have older kids. Another preview, I really want to do an episode around uh, college savings. We hit it a little bit with our personal finances, but I really want to go in deep with folks that are like me, have been out of school for over a decade, and whether or not they still have student loans and are dealing with student loans, to folks that have kids that are close to college age, what lessons learned do they have from the student loan crisis that they're going to use to consider what their kids should pick when they are getting ready to go to college or again even for my age how are people um, saving for that and then even what were the strategies did folks actually make it out of the student debt financial issues without much issue and how did they do that what were their considerations i think that'll be a, a very interesting topic because i'm not so sure that the broad brush picture that you read about of everybody's got massive loans and there was no way to avoid them is necessarily the case for all people. Um, and it hopefully will help with some uh, extra considerations, again, for folks that are either considering for their children, maybe are in debt at this point and got to figure out how to prioritize um, or somewhere in between um, that their kids are real close to picking a school and what considerations did they have. Another topic that I haven't gotten a chance to have as many episodes on is travel. Um, way back, my wife Angie and I did a couple episodes on Walt Disney World, which was a seminal vacation for us because it turns out she's a huge Disney fan, which I don't think I necessarily knew 
until she started planning for the vacation. But that's the only uh, travel episode that we have done. We want to do a lot more episodes on travel. So be looking for that at the beginning of this year. And also, on a personal note, I'm happy to say that now that our kids are of age where they can at least tolerate some flights and have a little bit better attention span that traveling isn't quite such an undertaking, we've got a pretty good vacation schedule ourselves this year that I'm sure I'll report on in some manner once we get to those. But uh, in getting ready for more travel in the future, I'm really interested in getting folks that are already well-traveled on the show for us to consider where our next vacation might be, as well as for you all. Maybe there'll be some places that you haven't considered before um, that you will be considering. And that'll be definitely within the U.S. as well as abroad. For example, I have an interview next week with a gentleman who wrote a book around all of the different places that have historical significance with Coca-Cola. But a lot of that, of course, is in the Deep South, which is an area of the country I have not really been to all that much. So I'm excited to see what I can take away from his experiences and his descriptions, albeit all around (laughs) Coca-Cola, which is, is a very interesting lens to come at it from. But that should give me at least a starting point of when I... Uh, make the trip down um, what what sites I should be going to see. So again, a, a number of episodes to come on that. And then finally, uh, around DIY, it's something that we put on our website. Um, and I've not really gotten into episodes around when you have house issues, how are you solving them? Um, what tools can you use? Um, what resources can you use? Uh, I just finished up an interview um, with a guy that is very handy from the from how he talks about tackling his home projects and gives some good information for those that may be new to home renovation or just fixing things that break, what kind of tools to get, um, how much money to spend on what type of tools, uh, what kind of projects maybe are more easily uh, tackleable than others, maybe when you do need to call in somebody. Uh, And in that particular episode, we even talk about other projects that he has undertaken um, that are really, really cool and (laughs) admittedly above my expertise for DIY uh, renovations or fixes around the house. Um, So hopefully we have repeat episodes with him. His name is John Crepezzi because we only scratch the surface, it sounds like, of the the different projects that he has done. And super interesting guy. So that will be coming as well uh, in another way that will really beef up all of our episodes. So I'll end with if you are a listener that this is the first episode that you're listening to, I would definitely encourage you to go back and listen to other episodes if you are just interested in a particular topic that we have. On our website, they are sorted by those topics, so you don't have to you know, sort through all the episodes to find what you want to listen to. But again, consider what I'm saying for the cohesiveness of the topics that we discuss They all center around learning new things, finding ways to do things better um, or pick up a new skill or activity 
because most of what we talk about would affect your day-to-day life. And presumably, if you see the title of the show, Suburban Folk, you either grew up in suburbia or currently live in suburbia. So I would imagine these are items whether you like it or not, that you are dealing with. So happy new year. Again, thanks so much for folks that have been listening. Now to our review of Rise of Skywalker. Brandon, Eric, and I had a chance to watch the movie and we all recorded our own separate reviews. From our last episode, Brandon seems to be more positive on the Disney version of Star Wars. Eric is significantly more skeptical. So we'll start with Brandon's critique and then get into Eric's critique. Interestingly enough, both of them pick out different details in what they liked and didn't like. And then I'll wrap it up with some high-level thoughts as a guy that doesn't go quite as deep into Star Wars as they both do. Brandon is first. I watched Star Wars Episode Nine, uh, Rise of Skywalker on the day it came out, hit the 9 a.m. show. And um, I really enjoyed it overall. It is super fast-paced. Um, I don't recommend going to the bathroom at any point uh, during this movie just because it is so – it's very cutty. It cuts from scene to scene to scene, and there's they crammed a lot in there. Honestly, they probably could have cut this thing up into, into two separate um, movies uh, with the amount of – locations and storylines that all all fed in together um so we'll start off right from the top a couple things that i really noticed um they they did introduce a sith wayfinder which was a a map to find the planet that the uh, emperor palpatine was on which is pretty cool because it kind of throws back to the uh, holocrons that were mentioned in uh throughout the legend uh, star wars legends and, and star wars expanded universe and all that stuff um, it was cool to see Billy D. Uh, he did get a little creepy at the end. Uh, I don't know. He just sounded a little creepy with when he was talking to the uh, ex-stormtrooper there. Um, and I'm just going to go to the very end. I'm just going through a whole bunch of notes I have. Um, when she, Ray, was asked by a woman on Tatooine what her name was. And she says, Ray. And she says, Ray who? Ray Skywalker. And looks over at the force ghosts of... Uh, Luke and Leia. It's, I mean, it's a little predictable, but it does give some finality to it that she's deciding her fate and uh, and all that. Uh, the big reveal in the movie was that Rey was, in fact, Palpatine's granddaughter. Um, so it was pretty cool to, to learn that. Um, it does open itself up to uh, some potential for additional movies or shows or, or books or comic books and that about how did Palpatine... Uh, have a family who who was his family and how did how did they hide Ray on Jakku um, so there was lots of force lightning not only from the emperor uh, which he used to to decimate um, the resistance fleet but also from Ray so it was pretty rad to see her bust out some force lightning so that was that was very cool um, they do tell you who who Ray's parents are but not so much about how they could be her parents as i think i said like i said there's a lot of unanswered questions i think they could have taken a bit more time to dive into explain that the sith are a religion not just two dark side users because there was a little confusion for me is were those actual people in the temple with palpatine were they force ghosts of sith of the past i don't know um 
I think this is the this is the first time there was a, a same sex kiss uh, in the Star Wars uh, universe of at least movies. Uh, it was at the end with uh, two of the Resistance um, fighters. Um, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be Poe and Finn that were going to kiss. There was definitely a bromance uh, happening between them. Palpatine was a little awkward with how he was being ferried around by this giant robotic arm in his temple. Kind of reminded me of the uh, Borg Queen from one of the Star Trek uh, Next Generation movies. Uh, I like that they introduce a new lightsaber color to the movie. In the end, Ray busts out a yellow lightsaber, um, which is not something that's been seen in the movies before. It has been in the Clone Wars and the video games and potentially Rebels. I know Ahsoka Tana, um, who was Anakin's Padawan, actually changed to yellow or no, to white lightsabers after she left the Jedi Order. And I'm trying to remember if Clone Wars, they showed a color other than blue, green, and purple. Of course, purple for Mace Windu. Um, so I'm trying to remember if they if they actually used a, a yellow uh, lightsaber in that, but I don't I don't believe they did. The other piece was um, I wish they had spent some more time with the Knights of Ren. Um, Kylo Ren winds up fighting them, but you don't, again, you don't learn a lot about them. You don't get, take too deep a dive into who they are, what they are, how they came to be, um, really just scratching the surface on them. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be more about them if there's not already on comic books or the, you know, movie encyclopedias and stuff like that. The Falcon gets its old, uh, radar dish back. I'm sure if anybody noticed that. They also didn't explain how Palpatine got from the exploded Death Star to this planet. Was it his spirit? Was it his actual body? Um, that's kind of just sort of left up to things. Uh, Kylo Ren seems to teleport out of nowhere at locations. Like They'll show his ship that he landed, but then he just appears places, and then he suddenly gets off the planet where the uh, Death Star crashed, and then all of a sudden he's in a different TIE fighter and on the planet the Emperor is at. And I'm just going to be honest, I wish Ray had gone to the dark side. That would have been the twist that nobody was expecting. Nobody was would have been looking for. Uh, everybody thought that they would they were going to take the easy way out and make Ray a uh, you know a good guy, a light side force user, and they did. Um, I would have loved to have seen her go to the dark side. I would have loved to see her you know take down Kylo Ren in some epic battle of dark side versus dark side. Maybe have him flip to the light side. But, uh, you know, in the end, everything has a happy ending, uh, except Kylo Ren dies, Leia dies. Um, Kylo Ren, I'm guessing, gets redeemed as a Jedi rather than uh, than a Sith. You know, the, the Resistance wins, and Rey will probably go on to create some new lineage of, of Jedi offshoot. Maybe they'll all be called Skywalkers instead of, uh, of Jedi. But... I've seen the movie twice, so the first time I saw it on opening day, second time I went was a week later. I actually took my, my son, who's uh, going to be five in a couple a couple days, and he did really well. He had a great time with it. He's, he's watched pretty much all the other Star Wars movies, and he dressed up in his Darth Vader costume, which he had for Halloween, so he had a blast. Uh, it was really cool, and I'm glad I saw it twice, um, because one thing that really got me the second time and it didn't hit me as hard the first time was the death of Leia. I don't know what it was, but the second time I saw the movie, it was like, oh man, besides like the droids and, and, and Chewbacca, she's, you know, she's the last 
human or person, if you will, from the original trilogy who's now gone. And she really sort of uh, kept the narrative cohesive from uh, episode four all the way to nine. And uh, it was sort of symbolic of the ending uh, of the the Skywalker saga, the nine movies um, that were came out. So overall, I really, I really did enjoy uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I did text Greg, and the first thing I think I said was, "Your brother's going to hate it." So I am going to be interested to hear uh, what 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 Eric's review is going to be. Uh, I really do want to hear that because I know one of the things he he parked on about uh, was the Millennium Falcon getting into. Starkiller base by jumping out of light speed super fast, uh, and all sort of sciencey things about gravity wells, uh, and the beginning of Rise of Skywalker. They're basically what they're calling light speed skipping, which is, I'm guessing, no navigation plotting at all, and just jumping to light speed and jumping out of it to try and lose, um, TIE fighters that are chasing him. But I definitely recommend everybody go see the Rise of Skywalker, uh, if you're a Star Wars fan. You need to see it just because it is um, the end of the Skywalker saga. And I like it. I would even go see it again. Uh, and I'm waiting for it to come out on streaming. So hope you liked it. And I can't wait to hear everybody else's reviews. Thanks. So Brandon gives The Rise of Skywalker a thumbs up and recommends to go see the movie. We'll switch over now to Eric. And again, like I mentioned, not nearly as positive of a review. Let's see what he has to say. So for my review of Rise of Skywalker, I'll try not to sound like a curmudgeon and highlight some of the positive things I thought uh, the movie brought. Uh, specifically, I really liked the Luke Leia training sequence. Um, that was assumed based on her kind of gliding back into the starship in Last Jedi, but it was nice to see it overtly shown that she did go through some force training. Um, I thought the Ray dark side vision uh, was good. I thought the look of it was cool, but also it kind of syncs up with this, you know, past idea in Star Wars that these dark side visions coincide with where some kind of dark side adept has has died. So that being on the Death Star, I thought was was fitting and, and well done. I thought the Kylo Ren Ray fight on Endor was 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 interesting and well done and exciting. I, I have no idea why Finn was there as usual. He's just sort of getting in the way. But otherwise, I thought it was good. Uh, I thought the tribute to Carrie Fisher was good. Um, you know, they had a couple scenes uh, with the death of Leia where it was clearly, um, you know, doing a tip of the hat. Uh, to her. I thought the set design was good, um, specifically the Palpatine, uh, where the, the big statues are in his Coliseum thing. That's taken directly from a comic book, and I think they were smart to kind of pull uh, some elements uh, from past things that worked. Um, I thought there was a, a couple good you know, tip of the cap to fans, the Wedge Antilles cameo. Um, I know some of my fellow nerds don't like it, but the uh, metal being given to Chewie. Uh, I, I kind of liked that just as a um, answer to kind of the debate that Star Wars fans have had for a while, as we did in the podcast, why didn't Chewie get a medal? Um, I, I liked that Kylo Ren apparently finally made a decision on which direction he was going. I mean, I feel like if you gave him another movie, he'd probably change his mind again, but at least, you know, with his death, it seems like he, he finally kind of picked a direction. Uh, and that's about it. I mean, that that's really about the only things positive I had to say about it. Um, 
uh, the, more or less they doubled down on Force Awakens. And given that I disliked Force Awakens as much as I did, you know, I, I was not going to be inclined to enjoy this movie. In the first 10 minutes, they introduce Force Skipping, where Poe just kind of jumps in wherever he needs to be. Um, that, again, sort of undermines what came before. Uh, as an example, in the first movie, why is there any time sensitivity in the Yavin run? Just force skip to the Death Star, hit the win button like Poe does, and you're done. Um, I, I just felt like, in general, the plot was either non-existent or nonsensical, um, largely around the Emperor. Um, in the prequels, the Emperor is doing this sort of... Um, behind-the-scenes usurping because he's looking to take over the Republic and the resources. And this movie, for the life of me, I can't figure out why he's working behind the scenes. He has an entire fleet of ships. He apparently can create powerful Force users like Snoke, um, you know, almost at will. Uh, Snoke's shown to be as powerful or more powerful than Rey or Kylo Ren in Last Jedi. So what does he need Kylo Ren or, or Rey for? I mean, just make more of those and have your fleet go out and conquer the galaxy. I mean, it it just seemed like everything we'd seen before was totally pointless. Why have the First Order? You know, why, for the life of me, I can't figure out why he's recruiting Kylo Ren. Uh, so, so for me, that kind of all fell apart quick. And then the fact that, you know, as is the trend for this movie, but the Emperor, everyone's so overpowered. Um, he's shooting lightning storms into the sky and not only taking down whole fleets, he's selectively taking down just the Resistance fleet. If you look closely, his his ships are unaffected by his Force Storm. Uh, so for me in general, um, I think a lot of the ideas that they took, um, if they took the idea and it was good, they sort of put their own stamp on it, um, which was unnecessary. The Wayfinder, that's a total ripoff of the Holocron. The Holocron is a better idea. Um, they should have just stuck with the Holocron rather than changing the name. Uh, I was looking forward to the Knights of Ren, but in my opinion, that was mostly botched. Um, a group of people that were seduced by Kylo Ren to leave the... Uh, Jedi Temple sounded really interesting, uh, but then when you see it on screen, basically they were chained. They, they they didn't display any tangible Force abilities. They really just seemed like they were changed just enough that they could make several action figures out of it uh, and set them there as cannon fodder. Um, I thought the Force Bond was ridiculous, um, super lazy, um, basically a plot element where you can give your character whatever they need at any time, uh, and really unnecessary. Uh, it doesn't work in that Last Jedi established that Snoke was the one setting that bond up, but then that changed for no apparent reason. Um, and I find myself, the only real um, story reason to do it was to introduce the lightsaber, and I feel like Rey telekinetically sending the lightsaber to Kylo Ren would have been um, more impactful. So, you know, my review of this is what my review largely is of this entire trilogy, is that it's non-existent, and a non-existent plot, and, and nonsensical. Um, they kind of undermined the original characters that I liked uh, and replaced them with, you know, kind of just flat, lazy characters um, that I, I couldn't care less about. Um, so, you know, if there's a silver lining, it's that I have a new appreciation for the prequels. Um, you know, those got a lot of criticism and, you know, definitely some of it was fair. I mean, there's some cringeworthy moments in the prequels, but it held together um, in that there there was a 
tangible plot and there was character development uh, and and you know <laughs> this trilogy has proved that that's not necessarily a given um, if someone's looking for just kind of like a spectacle or some nostalgia I mean you get pieces of that um, it, it looks interesting they'll throw you know the here they come music and and you know that'll get you kind of into it but um, otherwise you know I feel like it was largely a failure. Some of that, you know, Lando seemed a little flat, but I feel like he was brought in uh, to fill in after Carrie Fisher's death. So I understand that and, and you know, didn't have a, a big, big problem there. I mean, some of his lines were pretty darn corny. Uh, and I feel like if Lucas had wrote those, had written that, people would be up in arms. But I do feel like Star Wars has uh, sort of like a, a sports team effect where even bad teams on opening day, people kind of get jazzed up, and it's only later in the season that they realize, oh, this is this is bad. Um, I think that's happening um, with the new trilogy, and it's almost happening immediately with with this movie. Um, hearing from you know other of my fellow nerds, I, I I find that I'm being more generous than some of my fellow nerds, uh, where they're saying there's there's almost nothing that they like about this. Um, so in summary, for me. Um, Thanks, JJ. I guess I get to decide which of your two movies I think is the worst Star Wars movie. Please uh, don't touch another one with a hundred foot pole. Um, and you know, from here, you know, I think for me, if there was a movie going forward, and I know that's not the intention, um, but if there's an episode ten down the line um, with Poe, Finn, Ray, these characters, I'm not inclined to go see it. I mean, they, they, they were really bad. Uh, this kind of, I, I thought this was a very suitable end of the trilogy uh, in that it was sort of very convoluted and put the stamp on the fact that there was not going to be a follow-up that put any pieces together. It was just kind of a convoluted mess, and, and that's what it was going to stay. Um, so... Uh, I, I think, in summary, I'll use uh, what a friend of mine said about the entire trilogy, was that more or less this just seemed like a real waste of time. <laughs> the whole trilogy seemed like a waste of time. So um, for longtime Star Wars fans to kind of look at that and, and say, even the prequels, when people disliked it, I didn't hear anyone say that they felt like it didn't add anything. Um, so for me, it's a it's a thumbs down. Um, but I'm, I'm hopeful that Disney... You know, they've done Rogue One. I'm hearing positive things about the show. So they have it in them. I, uh, hopefully we'll see, see more uh, Rogue Ones in the future. And <laughs> let's just let this whole train wreck die. So you can't say we didn't offer two sides of the spectrum as far as reviews of the movie. Brandon says thumbs up. And it's something that he has already seen twice and recommends others to see. Eric says the entire Disney series was a waste of time and the best that it did was uh, give him a newfound appreciation of the prequels. I think I come somewhere in between. As we discussed in our last episode, I don't have as much Star Wars knowledge as either Brandon or Eric. Um, so my critique is probably more in comparison to just Hollywood movies in general. I actually got very much a Harry Potter vibe. When we find out that Rey is a Palpatine, we continue the theme of is she going to be good? Is she going to be bad? We saw that a little bit in the prior movies where I really felt that comparison is they end up in this cave after sinking in quicksand and there's this worm snake creature that looks very much like a basilisk from the second Harry Potter movie and it wraps around Rey and I am definitely waiting for her to start talking to this snake in tongues just like harry potter can do 
interestingly enough, that doesn't happen. But not long after that is when the force lightning comes out of her fingers and you have that same is she, isn't she uh, con- consideration going on. And the other thing that is a lot like Harry Potter, Eric mentioned the Knights of Ren. They remind me of the Dementors, you know, always following around the characters, super menacing, never really do that much. Maybe in the Harry Potter books, which admittedly I've not really read, uh, they have more uh, of significance. But again, there's definitely to me a comparison of those two character types. Also to Lord of the Rings, the Wraiths, who, as I understand it, are fallen kings that are cursed this is similar, you know, uh, fallen Jedi, if you will, that um, have joined Kylo Ren and are sort of his henchmen. And for the final battle scene, admittedly, I'm sure there's plenty of blockbusters that have these big fight scenes, but it reminded me of Independence Day. If you'll recall in that movie, the U.S., once they figure out how to take down the aliens, they start signaling to all the other countries to come and there's going to be this big battle with the aliens. They continue the theme from The Last Jedi that they're retreating from the First Order and nobody came to their aid. Well, they call out again and like the whole galaxy universe shows up and there's this massive battle like that and you know there's this theme of unity going on. So – those are some of the comparisons that I had that there weren't that many original ideas here, if any. But overall, as a movie, it does move very fast, like Brandon had said. I think that it probably is the best of this trilogy, probably for the same reason that Episode 3 was the best of that trilogy, that it had to hurry to tie up any loose ends. Now, again, as you can hear, it's debatable whether or not they do a good job of tying those up. But with how fast paced it is, it is fun to watch um, whether or not they're satisfying completions of these things or not. And I think the only other thing that I would comment on that was not already mentioned by Brandon or Eric is just the fact that I was definitely rooting for Kylo Ren or Ben Solo as he's now redeemed. To be the one that lives, A, because it was pretty predictable that Ray was going to live, and B, his character has always seemed to have a little more depth than any of the other characters. Now, those characters didn't really set the bar very high <laughs> uh, for depth, so I'm not saying he's like the greatest character there is, but just in Rise of Skywalker and overall for the series, um, I think it would have been a more interesting dynamic. And the last comments as far as the nostalgia is concerned and the old characters, I thought they did a nice job with C-3PO where he has a decision to make whether or not he has his memory wiped so that he can interpret the Sith language to the rest of the characters so they can figure out where this Sith planet is. So that's kind of a touching scene where he says goodbye to his friends. Now, of course, he ends up getting his memory back (laughs) from R2-D2 later, um, but that gave him a little bit of depth that I thought was nice. I felt like Chewie played a bigger role in this movie than he had in any of the prior Disney installments. And as was mentioned, he ends up getting the medal at the very end of the movie, which we alluded to in our prior episode. Brandon was making fun of the fact that Chewie didn't get a medal at the end of episode four. And when Ray is fighting Palpatine at the very end, 
she reaches out, I guess, to all Jedi, uh, asking if they're with her. I think they say it a little bit differently, but you hear all the different voices. And I knew that they were definitely the original actors that are responding in her head, saying, I'm with you, and so on. I had a hard time picking out the voices. Admittedly, even Samuel L. Jackson, who plays Mace Windu in the prequels, I couldn't quite pick him out. But I knew that, obviously, Yoda... um, Luke Skywalker, I don't think I could pick out Anakin, but I saw in the credits that it was all the original folks. So that was kind of cool to at least try to wrap everything together in some way. Uh, Eric also mentioned that Wedge, who is in every one of the originals but not in any of the new Disney uh, trilogy, shows up at the very end. Obviously, there's Lando. Uh, He was pretty prominent in the previews. Um, And then – you know, how they handle Leia and her death, as was mentioned, I think is pretty good as well. So I won't be seeing it again in the theaters. I don't know if I will purchase this Star Wars movie. I have every other Star Wars movie. <laughs> so I don't know if I'll get this one or not, just to say that I have them all. Um, but I, I will give it a watch, whether it's streaming at some point um, or if I actually do buy it then. I think for people that aren't as invested in the Star Wars galaxy as some folks are. You'll find these to be fun movies, very fast-paced, a lot going on. Um, And again, as been presented, if you are very much into these movies, you're probably going to find a lot of problems. So that's it. Let us know what you thought of the movie. We would definitely be very interested in feedback. And until next time, take care. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us a rating on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to be notified of future weekly shows, please hit the subscribe button. Thank you. Suburban Folk is part of the Pod All the Time podcasting network with 11 other great podcasts. The Creative Intuitive, Another Digital Citizen, History of a Haunting, Raw Sex, Round and Round the Podcast, Real AKA Truth, Ruck Up Podcast, Random Unnamed Podcast, A Fresh Look, Three Peas Up in a Podcast, and the I Think We're Doing It Podcast. Check them out on Twitter to see what they're up to. (laughs) 